Hello, and welcome to the Terralex Insights Podcast, where our goal is to present multicultural perspectives by leading professionals. These perspectives on contemporary issues will help lawyers and business people work better together. I'm your host, Terry Pepper-Gavlik, Terralex's Chief Executive Officer. And today, I'm very excited to be talking to the multicolored hair, <laughs> Jessica <laughs> Brustad, who is, among many other interesting credentials, the co-founder and chair of the Playful Mind Project, but perhaps even more important, mom to a baby who is rather famous in at least one country. We're going to hear more about that in just a little bit. Um, so stay tuned for that. But welcome to the podcast, Jessica. I'm so glad to have you. And I guess since this is an audio uh, only medium, I should let our listeners know that you showed up on my screen wearing pink and yellow and blue hair and <laughs> so colorful and cheerful. And it's all about, uh, about that sort of playfulness. So I love that. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And this is my unicorn hair and it gives me unicorn powers. So. There you go. We all need magic powers, right? So I, um, and we'll, at, we'll make sure that our listeners know how to reach your company's website. But when I went to it, I loved the tagline of shift yourself to be really careful that I said that right. Very careful. Your company uses levity with a purpose. So I want to hear more about that. But so just to bring our listeners up to speed and before you share a little bit about your personal origin story, tell us a little bit about your company's focus. What, what do you do at Playful Mind Project? Awesome. Playful Mind Project is a play-based consulting company. So there are a lot of play enthusiasts or playologists, let's call them, out there. And during the pandemic, we actually came together because we were speaking at conferences or we'd work, you know, um, in different organizations for company culture uh, on our own. And through the pandemic, conferences and get-togethers and mm -hmm. workshops all stopped, right? So it actually formed online and the co-founder and myself, Rona Lewis, who is based out of Los Angeles, I'm based out of Seattle. Uh, we still to this day have never met in oh person. Oh my goodness. Isn't that shocking? That's crazy. We, we have an LLC, we pay our taxes, we've done some awesome events with uh, Toastmasters International and some other big groups and companies, yet we have a Zoom only life. Isn't so funny. <laughs> it does speak to uh, the power of play and how we can really transcend through these technological barriers and through screens. Uh, obviously the type of play that we do through the Playful Mind Project since it was birthed during this mm -hmm. pandemic is different than the play that we have done uh, in the past as individuals. But basically we kind of formed a coalition of different play experts, if you will. And we have a B2B arm and a B2C arm. So on the B2C side, our focus was really helping with mommies because we found that women were the most and specifically mothers were the most affected negatively by the pandemic, right? There was no more school, there was no more daycare. Uh, they were doing remote learning and so, and holding jobs. And so we wanted to help them with what we call therapy play. So that is play-based therapy, if you will. <laughs> Although to caveat, uh, no one in our organization is an actual therapist. So we always like to say, we're not here to diagnose. We're here to start a dialogue. And we do that through play. And so what that was, was 30 minute one-on-one -on -one sessions with uh, mainly women, but we, we work with all populations uh, through Zoom to use a play-based structure to help them reduce stress. And that was awesome. And it's still going on, but we really found that it morphed through the pandemic to start working with companies in a larger way. First of all, these women 
who worked at companies were like, hey, this is awesome. I wish it was being offered as part of the corporate wellness program. And so we started working with companies to offer these one-on-one -on -one sessions to employees, which was very helpful to give a 30-minute break in their day, mm -hmm. uh, to do some play with us on Zoom, to refresh, uh, to do team building. And then it, it, it kind of grew into that team building. Instead of these one-on-ones, it grew into our B2B arm, which was hosting large events via Zoom, which I honestly have to say, didn't have that much faith in coming from an in-person high touch improv background. Uh, but we've done events with, I think almost 500 people on Zoom and it's been powerful. I mean, the power of play is huge and nothing proves it more than having a bunch of people on Zoom and getting a lot out of it and getting you know reactions that that was the best part of the conference or wow, that really like energized me at the end of our week when we did that team building, uh, which has and Rona. So yeah, we offer play-based, like I said, therapy for one-on-ones or play-based um, culture and team building. And really the goal of using play to do something like team building or leadership training um, or any of these things that a lot of people do, the goal with the play-based version or play-based approach is to help create more psychological safety in the workplace. And just like how the B2C arm started with, we wanted to help the people most negatively affected in the pandemic. We then also saw, wow, like the biggest need that we're seeing in corporate now all of a sudden is psychological safety and mental wellness and something that really hasn't been talked a lot about before. How can we talk about it in a, a safe, accessible way? Well, the number one way to do that with any topic is play. Break it down. Yeah, make it fun. Yeah. Well, and I know that your your medium now does transcend the different platforms of being online or not, but I was very fortunate la this past spring to go to my first in-person conference in well over a year, and you were the keynote presenter, and we had a lot of fun, and um, Nicole Rudner on our team and I went, and it really impressed us how impactful it was. So we're going to hear in a few minutes a little bit more around some examples about that, but before we get too far along, your personal origin story really fascinated me. And also you're sort of a kindred spirit because we have some hobbies for you. They're at their vocation. And for me, they're more advocation, but in common. So just tell us a little bit about your origin story and how you got in your line of work about levity with a purpose. But I really hope you'll tell your family story as well, because <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Well, now, now that I'm a mother, I really can't tell my story without telling my family story too. She's <laughs> good. <laughs> totally changed my life. Um, yeah, so uh, I started this company called The Funny Yogi back in 2011. So, wow, it's been 10 years already, which is crazy to think. Uh, and The Funny Yogi really started by, I was a yoga instructor and people in my life were like, or my students were like, oh, oh she's a yogi. She, it wasn't funny. haha. It was funny, weird, like odd, this high energy, high strung type a, you know, overachiever was also this like super Zen let's be yogis. <laughs> and so people dubbed me that name. And I then turned that into my company name, uh, especially when I found improv and stand-up comedy. So I was like, Oh, the name still fits. I am the funny yogi. Uh, but how are these two, you know, very polar opposite seeming interests going to create uh, a vocation, right? Or a path for me. And really it wasn't until I had a mental breakdown in 2011 that these worlds collided and it shaped 
and formed the path of my healing and my life, where then that became my greatest success. And that turned into me becoming a motivational speaker. And it's so funny, right? I love that uh, Kierkegaard, I'm going to butcher his name. He's a Dutch. Yep, you said it perfectly. <laughs> oh, right. I love his quote where he mentions that, you know, life cannot uh, be understood uh, uh, life cannot be lived. Life can only be understood looking backward, but right. it must be lived forward. And that's, what's so hard, right. To in, in that struggle, in this pandemic, in the mental illness, in whatever we're in, right. The, uh, the ick, how can we find that confidence and be able to keep, um, saying yes. And to what's happening and take positive steps forward. And you might have picked up on a little key word there. I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) Having taken improv, I caught it. I hope our audience did too. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happened during my mental breakdown. So I I had to quit my job. I had, I lost my license. I went on disability with the state. I moved back in with my parents. Uh, Things I never thought I would do from this very successful uh, tech company, um, you know, hard, hard worker that I was. And I checked myself into the Cognitive Behavioral Institute and worked a lot through cognitive behavioral therapy and improv. And when I started to apply what I was learning on stage to be a funny gal, (laughs) a funny yogi, when I started to apply that to my life and I took a cognitive behavioral therapy approach to improv, I started to see major changes in my mental well-being. I got off of all medication. I was able to start working again. I was able to drive again. I was able to leave the house again. And now I speak on stages in front of hundreds and thousands of people, which I never thought I was going to do. So I I like to to talk about that because number one, I always want to normalize mental wellness. Uh, I don't think it's talked about enough, especially in corporate. Totally agree. Yeah. Number two, you never know what's going to, you know, shape your path. And I always believe that our our greatest quote unquote weaknesses, even though I don't think mental wellness is a weakness, uh, can be our greatest strengths as well. So the funny yogi, uh, this high strung and also, you know, zened out improv comedy girl, it was able to shape my path to now help tons and tons of people, both on the corporate side and on the individual side through the funny yogi programs. Um, I know we talked a little bit about playful mind project, but just so people know on the, on the B2C side too, with the funny yogi, that business is still intact. I am a registered laughter yoga leader. So I still teach laughter yoga online via zoom Mm -hmm. every Saturday. It's super fun. It's free. It's all about spreading joy and allowing people to know that we don't have to laugh because something funny happened. We can take control of it, of the joy, and we can, you know, laugh because we want to, not because we fall victim to something funny happening around us. So yeah, still teaching laughter yoga, still speaking, going out on the road. I think in a couple of weeks, I have another speech. So definitely being in person has, uh, you know, helped uh, through this pandemic. And like I said, we can do a lot online as well. I'm going to have to sign up for laughter yoga. I'm actually, (laughs) I teach on Saturday sometimes, but I'm going to give up teaching one Saturday so I can attend your class. I'd love that. I think that would be great. You teach yoga. I teach yoga. What kind of yoga do you teach? Um, A gentle hatha for people that are of a certain age, like mine, that uh, are a little intimidated by it, but would benefit from it. So I make it, I break it down and make it really accessible. 
That's yeah. awesome. And that's like what laughter yoga is too. I always say we're not laughing because we're happy. We're happy because we're laughing. Yes. And so it really is this like mental exercise with a little bit of physical stuff too. And it can change your weekend. <laughs> and your life. Well, yes. I, I have to have you talk about Norway. Okay. Oh, yeah. And now our that. audience is probably saying, Norway, where did that come from? Oh my gosh, I Please forgot about that. Tell that story. Well, <laughs> if actually, you don't mind. My my mental breakdown actually happened the year that someone sent me the um, application to get on the show. I had a friend, because I used to work at Fox News Corp Media Group, uh, and I had my breakdown. I moved back home, and a friend there was like, Hey, there's a casting call. You're totally love Norway. You're Norwegian. You should do it. Well, I was not in a place to sign up then. I bring this up because funnily enough, my future husband, he got on the show that year. But you didn't know so, him, right? But I didn't know him. He got on well, the show. Have, that actually, year. I don't know if people will know what show we're talking about. So maybe we should oh, take yes. a step back and explain to them what we're talking about. I was on a very popular show in Norway called Alt for Norga. Uh, which translates in English to all for Norway. And what they do is they take 12 Norwegian Americans. So you have to have proved your Norwegian ancestry, but you had to have never traveled to the country before. So I met those criteria, uh, but my mental health was not ready uh, the year that it was sent to me. Uh, my future husband got on that show. The next year, my friend sends this to me again. She's like, it's now the number one show in Norway. You gotta do it. Thankfully, after all of my funny yogi-ness, I had healed myself, like I said, gotten off all medication, and I was in a better place to then go pursue big dreams like this. And so I did apply, I did get on the show, I did fly to Norway, and I guess, again, this is a huge triumph in the sense of, you know, a year before, I couldn't leave my home. I was agoraphobic where you're scared to leave your house. And now I'm flying halfway across the world yeah. uh, competing in a Norwegian reality show. And I did get very far. I made it to the finale. Um, I, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. I guess. What, did you, what did you have to do on this show? I think you had to travel and have different ex traditional experiences or something along yes, those lines. Yes. It's very much like the uh, amazing race in our, in the USA, but only in Norway. And so you travel around different parts of Norway and you have to learn this song or sing this, or do this dance or eat this weird food and finish <laughs> it first or whatever it might be. And all along the way, we are kind of getting notes and information from our long lost relatives. So it's very heartfelt as well. Oh, and wow. it, yeah, it's a beautiful show. I have to say no knocks to American reality shows, but I'm very happy that I'm famous in a tiny country uh, full of sweet people, uh, as opposed to uh, American reality where it's like, oh, night vision cameras and who's sneaking <laughs> into whose room. It was not vindictive at all. It was so sweet. And I love that in Norway, the most popular show was a show that's not full of drama. You know, it wasn't about pinning each other against each other. And that also shaped a lot with my, my play-based beliefs and our company. We always like to say, you know, we're not here to play to win. We're here, to, we're play to live. Right. And that's my goal after going through what I went through in 2011 with this mental breakdown was, okay, no more winners and losers, no more like failure or, you know, being scared of failure or imposter syndrome, or I can't do that, or I'm not strong enough or whatever else. Uh-uh. Just play to live, you know, let go of the competition, let go of the judgment, let go of the expectation, and then 
whoa, see what comes out of it. Like you get to new heights. And so that really shaped a lot of what I did when I came home, let alone the fact that when I came home, I had watched the previous season and I had a little (laughs) crush on somebody that was on the year before. I reached out to him on Facebook and we met up and long story short, we are now married and we have a little baby. And Inga Ella, my little daughter, she is the only alt for Norga baby. And the show ended last year. I don't know if it was due to the pandemic or not, but it had a 10 year run and her birth and her, she is the very last scene of the very last show is Inga Ella coming into the world. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's fabulous. A reality baby. (laughs) Yes. That's wonderful. I love that story. I think since we've been talking about all the themes and, but maybe it would be good to share even, even more examples, real specific examples of how you apply your, uh, your work in, you know, with your clients, like, what do you do? Sure. Uh, are you up to play a game with me? I am up to playing a game with you. (laughs) I'm always up for something like that. (laughs) Yay. So I'm going to share with you and everybody who's listening, because this is a great game to use. And what we like to say at the Playful Mind Project is like, steal this, steal it, take it, take it. We don't (laughs) hold on to anything. If you hear a game that we're doing, it's like, go use it. You don't really need me to help you implement this at your company. You can just listen to this podcast and you can go and do it at your company or with your friends. So we're going to play a game called Scary Stories. Okay. So it's not, it's not a scary story. It's a scary story. So very similar to our tagline of shift happens. Make sure you use your words uh, very clearly. <laughs> we are going to tell stories to each other. We're going to do one minute. I'm going to time us. And we are going to tell a story of a scar, any scar that you have on your body. Now, the only stipulation is it has to be true. It has to be true. And we're going to play the game first. And then I'm going to show you how we apply this and and what this means for, for, for businesses. I don't want to spoil it. So we're going to time each other. I will go first. I will tell you my scary story for one minute. The timer will go off. We'll end right when the timer goes off, no matter if I'm mid sentence, then you will tell your scary story and then we'll debrief. So again, it can be anything at all. It can even be a mole, a birthmark. It doesn't have to be a scar per se. Uh, It could be a story about a time that you got hurt, but maybe it didn't leave a scar, but something like that, something unique to you. And the only stipulation, it has to be true. Okay. And for our audience, I have not prepped for this. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know you're getting real improv here. (laughs) I am an improv girl. So I, I'm not a planner. I love to surprise people element of surprise. So I will go first. I'm going to do the timer and here's my scary story. So when I was younger, we grew up with 12 horses, 12 horses on a farm in East San Diego. And one day I found myself kind of alone on the farm and I got a little bit scared. I'm like, where's my dad? Where's my mom? I didn't even see the horses, uh, but I saw the horse trailer. So I ran down to the horse trailer and I was like kind of getting frantic, like where are the horses? Where is everybody? And so all of a sudden I'm trying to go into the horse trailer And I guess I had just grown because I used to be able to do this and not hit the top of the horse trailer. Uh, But there was a little door on top. There's like two doors to a horse trailer, a top one and a bottom one. And I had opened the bottom one, but I didn't open the top one. And I walked in and then I heard my dad. So right when I heard the people I was looking for, I jutted up 
and the corner of this metal door went straight into my head. <laughs> it was, yeah, <clears throat> give me the, you know, eebie-jeebies. And so that went, oh, there goes my timer. Okay. <laughs> That's my story. Now I'm going to time you and we're going to get started and you are going to go right now. So I'll tell the story of a scar I have on my forehead, one of many. And this story involves my Aunt Molly, who was sort of like Auntie Mame, if you're familiar with that movie. She was everybody's favorite, bigger than life. We used to love to go to her house. She had a bridal shop and it had burned down. So she had all the bridal gowns and things in her house. And she let us clump around in her big fluffy shoes, her big uh, kitten heels and wear the bridal gowns and the veils. And it was always a really special occasion. My Aunt Molly was excellent at so many things, a seamstress. She was a phenomenal cook, but she was the worst driver in the world. But for some unknown reason, my parents let me drive somewhere with her. And, and I just, I have a vague recollection because I was pretty young. I must've been about two or three, maybe a little older driving somewhere with her and she in a giant car. And of course I was sitting in the front seat. Nobody, you didn't wear seat belts. You didn't sit in the back seat. You didn't buckle your child in for dear life and revert. Oh, timer. I didn't, okay. I didn't really, that went fast. Yeah. Wow. It goes very fast. It goes <laughs> very fast. So it doesn't matter if we get to the scar. It doesn't matter if we get to the point of the story. None of that matters. The reason we do a quick exercise like scary stories is number one, obviously it's helping team members be able to you know, speak on their feet. Uh, it's a great way to introduce improv without saying it's improv because <laughs> some people get very scared by that word. I know you and I don't since you're also taking classes. Uh, but the number one lesson from scary stories is that you just experienced three very powerful emotions. So did I, when I told my story. So the three things that we experienced as we were talking and telling our one minute stories were we were being very authentic, right? That story is 100% my story. No, it didn't happen to anybody else. It was my scar. I hit my head, my corner up there. I'm authentic. Number two, I'm accessing and I'm portraying vulnerability. I'm being vulnerable. I'm talking about something that, you know, hurt me, happened to me where I made a mistake, boop, boop, hit my head. Hey dad, you know, scared. And number three, so we're authentic, we're vulnerable, and we're confident. It's very difficult in personal life or especially in a professional life in a professional setting to speak up or to talk, like a psych having that psychological safety to be authentic, be vulnerable, and be confident. We were both confident in that story because we owned it, right? We lived it, it yeah. We lived it. And so that's just a very quick example. I was trying to find a good audio example where they're not gonna have to see anything on Zoom uh, of you know little games we use that have play with a purpose, right? So we don't just play scary stories because, oh, I wanna hear about, you know, wanna I actually do wanna hear. So just tell me what it was real quick because- Oh, I so uh, she, we pulled up to my other aunt's house and she just plowed into a stone wall and <gasps> smashed and got- Nice big scar on my forehead. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, and she made not the best driver. Well, but one of many wonderful <laughs> Aunt Molly horrible driving. Aunt Molly. <laughs> so how did you feel when you were telling that story? Did you feel I was having flashbacks to being in her little bridal boutique, wearing her kitten heels and putting on the veils and just feeling special? <laughs> and that's what I loved. 
all the descriptors that you used up to it. And a lot of times people can feel in the moment like failure, like, oh man, I, I didn't get to the, the star in the one minute or, oh, you know, I, I messed it up. And what we use is we would go through, we do scary stories. And then when we do the debrief, we're going through the tenets of improv of, Yes, anding yourself with whatever comes up is what needs to be shared in that story. And you got so into it and excited and you relived it. Uh, being okay to fail and feature it. Oh, okay, so I didn't get to the point. Well, that wasn't actually the point of telling the scary story. It was feeling authenticity, vulnerability, and confidence at the same time. It was flexing that muscle so that when I wanna speak up at a meeting next, or if I have a difficult or uncomfortable conversation to be held at work, I've already practiced that with these people. And so that is the power of play. We use low stakes scenarios, like telling a scary story, so that we flex that muscle enough in the low stakes situation. So when the stakes are high, we've been conditioned for it. We're yeah. ready. That's fabulous. And also the fact that you can bring a team together around these kinds of activities and, and um, learning Vert when everyone's so virtual, I think that's fantastic and such a need right now because I, I don't see any end in sight to you know at least working a good portion of the time remote from your coworkers and so yeah. we're always trying to think of ways to bring our folks together besides our three or four times a week we get on little Zoom boxes and talk. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen I've seen with companies where we do use this little story, Ascari stories. You know, people will check in with them months later, and they're still like, "Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't ever get over like Barbara's like drunken college star yeah. story, or like you know whatever." <laughs> and it's these little tiny moments of vulnerability and humanness that connect employees and people on a different level. So it's not just oh man, you never turn in your reports on time. That guy bothers me. It's, oh, now I see you as a human. And especially now when we're seeing each other through these boxes, yeah. uh, it can be really, really useful. And people take these and they tangent and they make new versions of them. I've had some clients that say, hey, you know, we start with scary stories for every monthly um, like all hands and you just turn to one person. So you can tell your same story, you know, to a bunch of different people. It's just, it's, it's super fun. And like I said, it's silly, but it has a purpose. It's a, it's great. I hope our listeners will give it a try. Yeah. So I know there's lots, lots more we could talk about, but I'm going to encourage people to visit your website and reach out to you if they want more information. Where can our listeners go if they want to find you and get some more information? What would be the best resource? Yes, the best resource would be our website, www.playfulmindproject.com. We are also on all of the socials, uh, but if you go to our website, oh, I shouldn't have said but, and, and if, if you, you go to our website, see, I catch myself all the time too. <laughs> I know at the speech that you, uh, that we first met at, uh, I talked about yes, anding instead of no budding, or even instead of yes, budding. And it's a practice, right? I might be the guru, but I do it all the time. I mess up. So the, the point is I catch myself, we reframe it and I yes, and myself all the time into gratitude and into accepting uh, failure. So yes, and the social medias, Playful Mind Project at Playful Mind Project. And my email, if anybody wants to reach out to me directly with a question, if you heard scary stories, but had a question and you want to use it, I'm available. Please email me jessica at 
playfulmindproject.com. And we'll put um, this information into the liner notes as well so people can reach you or they can always reach out to our team as well. And here's hoping that maybe we'll get to uh, do some sort of Terralex event, including you at some point in the future. I would love to play with I you. I think our members would love it. I think it would be very special for an in-person uh, yes. meeting. And we're hoping to get back to those really soon. So yes, yes. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing. I actually, when we um, disconnect from this podcast recording today, I'm going to go see if I can find um, uh, some kind of YouTube video or something of the program in Norway. I'm dying to see it. Oh. And we do have our wonderful member Hjort in Norway. I'm sure they're familiar with the program. And if I tell them you are on the podcast, I bet you they know who you are as well. Oh, then I have to say a big hi, hi uh, to the Norwegian. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes, uh, it's uh, sadly or not sadly, uh, something I'll never live down. So I'm prepared for when my daughter turns 18 and finds me online. <laughs> <laughs> She can find herself online then too, though. <laughs> yeah, she can. Awesome. Well, I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity to share the message of, you know, positive play and that it's not just for kiddos. So even though I showed up on your show right now with my unicorn hair, I love it. it's not just for kids. Not just play. for kids. Well, big kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and I would say, I mean, I know our audience can't see me, but I have literally been smiling through this entire episode. So <laughs> kudos to you. <laughs> Yay. Well, hopefully the listeners will be smiling when they listen too. So I'm thank sure you. They will. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Terralex Insights Podcast.